This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. <laughs> I can't even make it through the intro without laughing. <laughs> You are listening to Ratchet and Respectable. Oh, this week, this episode is going to be a doozy. <laughs> we don't have a guest this week, unfortunately. It's my bad. I had a great interview with um, with a woman I consider like my big sister. She's freaking amazing. Multiple New York Times bestseller. She's got her own book imprint. She's 50 plus and just bad at shit. Like... Beautiful soul inside and out. Phenomenal writer. Like, just one of those, like, makes me want to burn my notebook. I'm like, why, why, what's the purpose? Like, why, why am I here when you exist? Like, fucking phenomenal. So we did this amazing interview and we talked, as women do, about, like, life and living and loving and just existing. And it was great. I was so excited. And I went to edit it last night and have it ready to submit to my producers today, only to find out that I fucked up the audio. My bad. So I hit her up this morning and I was like, hey, like, do you have the audio on your end? Like, we couldn't figure it out. It's going to retape with me. And she was so gracious because if she had really been like, really, Demetria, really? This is a rookie mistake. It is. I was using a new platform when I interviewed her and I just didn't cross my T's and dot my I's and lost the whole interview. On top of being everything else that I just described, she's also wonderful and gracious and was like, I always have time for you. We'll tape another time. She's also a journalist, too. So surely this has happened to her at some point in her life. Or perhaps she's like the one rare journalist where it didn't because she's like that level of on it. My, my bad. I'll get it together next time. In her unfortunate absence due to my error, we do have a full episode of shenanigans and hijinks. Shenanigans and hijinks. First and foremost, I would like to thank you all for the outpouring of support that came in the wake of my story, my disaster story. About the, uh, the guy I was, I was going on dates with. I don't even want to say dating now. But the guy I'd gone on a couple dates with who, you know, that shit just nuke-bombed with his, you know, can we fuck before I go celibate ass. Like, what? With so many of you, men and women, lots of men reached out. I had no idea so many men listened to the podcast. But so many guys reached out and was like, yo, the nigga was a sleazeball. He's a fuck boy. He's a low-life nigga. You dodged a bullet, D. Be thankful. And I really took that to heart because, you know, men often have issues holding other men accountable. You know, men can just do some trash shit. And, and when women retell the story, they'd be like, well, you know, what did you do? What did you say? I need to know the full context before I can, you know, speak against another man. Men sometimes can be very uh, aggravating with the got to hear both sides. Got to hear both sides. Wasn't no both sides to this story. Like men were like, that was wrong. <laughs> that was wrong. <laughs> He shouldn't have done that. You deserve better, D. No man should do that. That's some sleazeball, low-life shit. Low-life. And, and women, too, reached out and was like, I'm so sorry that happened to you. You sound so hurt. Yes. Yes. I, I have feelings. I'm, I'm okay with having feelings. This is a part of, of human nature. I'm not one of those people who, who do you like a dude trying to holler in the street. And it's like, you know, they push up. And then when you say, I'm not interested, or, oh, I have a man, or, you know, I'm flattered, but no thank you, or whatever you say, no matter how polite, some dudes will just be like, well, fuck you then. You was ugly anyway. I'm not that person. Dude did some sleazeball shit, but 
Clearly, I liked him. I was definitely interested. And he played the fuck out of me. Like, it happens to the best. We all take L's sometimes. That was mine. It is what it is. But, yeah. People are like, oh, you sound hurt. Yes. Ain't nothing wrong with being hurt. It's okay to have feelings. It's no shame in, in caring and liking people. It's okay. I promise you. Feel. It's okay. It's all right. Uh, but thank you to everyone who reached out. Like, I, I really did appreciate it. And many of you reached out about the, uh, the sex toy that I mentioned. I reached out to the manufacturer. And I was like, do you want to come sponsor the podcast? Because people are reaching out about your very expensive sex toy. Like, y'all going to have to run me a check. I'm not trying to be funny style or anything. But the origin of me getting these products was that they wanted me to endorse. And when it came time to discuss the check, we couldn't get on the same page. I'm being diplomatic. So I'm like, I'm happy to endorse it. I want everyone to feel as great as I do. But you're going to have to run me a check for that just because of how this whole thing started. So hopefully they will. We did reach out to them and we shared anonymously. I took everybody's name off everything. We, we shared the, the screenshots and the emails of the many inquiries and was like, you missing out? Like these ladies? Like it's been a long pandemic. Folks ain't trying to risk their lives on some new D. But they do want good orgasms and they're willing to pay for them. Self-sex is always safe sex. When in doubt can always have sex with yourself. Don't have to worry about no STDs. I ain't got to worry about somebody asking you. <laughs> I can't believe he did that shit. Ugh. I've gone from like hurt to angry to now like hysterical laughter about the thing. It's just, it's so freaking bizarre. And yes, my dad did listen to last week's episode. Hi, dad, because he's listening now. I asked my mom a couple hours after the episode went up. My dad has his notifications on and he usually listens right away. And so I asked my mom, I said, did daddy listen to today's episode? She was like, when I got up this morning, he was listening to it in the living room on speaker. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed last week's episode, dad. Please remember our deal. <sighs> we have some good news this week. Jeannie Mai and Jeezy have made each other official. They are now husband and wife. They had a beautiful backyard wedding at their estate. I think to call it a house or, or even just a mansion would be underselling it. She had a gorgeous dress. She's a pretty woman, but the wedding day glow up. It was like, oh, okay. I see all the extra effort. Absolutely beautiful. And Jeezy, he wore pink, pastel pink, a manly baby pink. They look really cute together. I've liked their relationship. I thought they had good energy together, even from the very beginning. And I remember... Her telling this story, I want to say it was his birthday party, and she was there, obviously, and she had to leave to go to the airport because she had to fly somewhere for work, and he was like, okay, I'll take you, and she was like, you're going to leave your party to take me to the airport, and he was like, you think you're going to leave and go out of town for work, and I'm not going to take you to the airport, and I was like, oh, okay, she dating a grown-ass man. The Jeezy we see now is not the Jeezy that we were first introduced to. Jeezy has grown, as he should. He's a man in his 40s. He should be acting grown. Good for them. Good for them. Oh, somebody else asked me if um, the can you fuck me before I go celibate guy if I was dating one of them young boys. And I was like, sir, is a whole 37 about to be 38. That's grown enough to know better. And another woman was like, yo. He on some real college shit. As a testament to the men I dated in college, no one ever tried that. No one ever. I have a friend. He's 28. Literally just a friend. Like, he tried it, and I was like, you're adorable, but I can't. 
my baby cousin who I talk about a lot on here, she's 28. I'm like, I, I can't date in your age range. Like I feel young and free until I hang out with her. And I was like, I'm, I'm old and grown and I'm great with it. But I was telling him the story. He was like, I told you about dating them old men. And I was like, sir. And he was like, nah, them old men be trying to get it in quick while they can still keep it up. I got more time. I can take my time with it. Sir, if you don't get off my line. He was like, I'm just saying, I ain't got to ask you for it. I just tell you it's here. You can come get it when you want it. Sir, good night. Sir is in the South. We were having this conversation at appropriate hours for me, but inappropriate hours for him. I was like, oh, sir, no. Just as cute as he want to be. Him and all eight of his abs. Just cute. Talking about when can I come to L.A.? Sir, when you're 30, that's when you could come see me. Oh, when you talk about DMX, there's a story over the weekend that DMX had had a drug overdose, was hospitalized, and was not doing well. And many people put out their prayers for DMX. Earl don't mean no harm. Earl got a lot of problems and has for many years. He's in that, that gap sometimes that I talk about between the person you want to be and the person you are, and he just can't close that gap. I have, I have much empathy for him. And I think it's because his potential is so blatant. It's like, sir, if you could just clean yourself up and, and fully turn over your life to God, will you be an excellent minister? Like, once you clean up good, like, you got a testimony to share with the people because we've seen your lows. He got a testimony that will relate to the people, and he can pray. He can do that. The story was that he, he was hospitalized. He wasn't doing so well. And then another story came out that he was doing better and responsive. I think that was from his lawyer. And then another story came out that, in fact, he was not doing so well. This was trending on Twitter this morning. The headline was rapper DMX continues to be on life support and is in a vegetative state, according to his former manager. That's Nakia Walker. She spoke to the New York Times and BuzzFeed. She said he has lung and brain failure and no brain activity. Ooh, I pray for his family. That's sad to hear. I don't want to hear about nobody in that kind of state. Prayers for DMX. I hope that he can pull through. What else is going on? Oh, we have some updates from some stories that we discussed a week ago. Michael Strahan, he got me good. With April Fools. I don't think he came out with his teeth on April 1st, or I would have been like, you know, more in tune to it. I really thought Michael Strahan had closed his gap, and I was very upset about it. Apparently, a lot of people were, because he made a whole video and was like, y'all, calm down. Everyone, calm down. I did not close my gap. My mama thinks it's beautiful. I was like, I'm not your mama, but I think it's beautiful too. Okay. But he does still have the gap. He has no plans to close it. The gap is here today, tomorrow, forever. So thank you. For not making yourself look like everybody else. Wait, is this how men feel? Like when women go change like things that we think are imperfections and dudes be like, why you, why you went and did that? Because I like that. I like your little tummy. I like your little gap. Not saying that you should, you know, change things for anyone but yourself. But I was like, oh, I wonder what the woman equivalent to that is. Like you went and changed that thing that made you so special. Now you just look like everybody else. Like you're still good. But you know, that thing that made you, you know, your thing. It's gone. We have an update about Tamika Mallory. Remember a couple episodes ago, we talked about how she was getting some flack for one, performing at the Grammys, and then also for appearing in a Cadillac commercial. Some folks were none too happy and was like, you're taking corporate sponsorship. I hadn't fully reached a decision on um, whether that was good or bad. 
so Tamika posted on Instagram about her inclusion in the, the Cadillac ad. <laughs> she didn't address the naysayers, but it was clearly addressing the naysayers. But she said, uh, on the last day of Women's History Month, let's celebrate the beauty, resilience, and accomplishments of black women. This month, I was engaged by a prominent black advertising agency to include my voice in their The Audacity of Blackness campaign with Cadillac. The amazing black women who work together to make this happen are badass. As part of their campaign, Cadillac and its parent company have committed 10 million USD dollars and dineros to racial justice organizations with the first 1 million USD dollars and dineros already donated to the NAACP Legal Defense Fund. We are advocating for a significant investment in grassroots organization as well. She also went on to say, My organization, Until Freedom, will continue to use our collective voices to ensure that our purchasing power is recognized and respected. My support of this campaign is aligned with my social justice activism and provides an extraordinary opportunity to raise awareness and focused visibility around recent commitments of various corporations, GM and others, to support this important racial justice work. Well, I guess we might all want to shut the fuck up about Tamika and Cadillac. Carry on, sis. Carry on, sis. Keep doing the good work. I appreciate you. I watched some good TV lately. I finally saw that Itina documentary. I told you I saw it last week, but I didn't get a chance to review it. Thing made me, it was so well done. It was amazing. It made me so sad, though. And we talked previously about how Tina Turner said, you know, I had some, some great moments in my life, but the good didn't outweigh the bad. She's 80. She's looking back at her life, and, and that's her, her summary, which she's entitled to. But I was like, sis, that's sad. That's sad. That it was that way or she feels that way, whichever, both. But that's sad. That made me sad to hear. But that's her truth. But watching the documentary, I was like, oh, okay, that's, that's, yeah, that a lot of this is really sad. Like her father abandoned her. Her mother did too. She never did get a close relationship with her mother. She was like, I did all these things that, you know, as a, as a superstar, you go, you take care of your mom. And she was like, I did all these things. And, and my mother never really seemed happy with me or, or proud of me or, or any of that. But I, I just did them anyway, because it's the right thing to do. Obviously, she talked about her, her years with Ike and, and the abuse, the heaps of abuse. I knew the general story from the media. And then, like everyone else, I watched what's, what's Love Got to Do With It. But her version of the story has much greater lows than what was depicted in even the film, as bad as that was. But she also had much greater highs than were depicted as well. But one thing that, that struck me and struck her was that despite all of her accomplishments, you know, like she... She leaves Ike, I want to say her late 30s, early 40s. She only takes her name. She takes on all of the debt. So she's working her ass off to reestablish herself. In her late 40s, 50, she becomes this international pop rock star. She's selling out arenas. She sold 20 million copies of her first solo album, which I was like, you went double diamond? I've never heard this before. And despite these accomplishments, a pop rock star at 50, top of the charts at 50, looking like a whole snack at 50. Man was out there with her short leather on. And I was like, ma'am, the body, every, the Tina. But despite all of her accomplishments, 
mental, emotional, physical, sales, all of that. Whenever she would do press, all they wanted to ask her about was Ike. She was like being married to him and then leaving him was the only thing that the press really cared about. And I was like, but you didn't care about the body because the body is is good story. You didn't care about the resilience, the strength to leave something with nothing and start over, which obviously is the theme that I really, really relate to. But I was like, that wasn't the story because that's the story to me. But it's interview after interview of people asking her about Ike. And and she sat there so graciously and, and answered those questions. I was like, where's your publicist? I mean, a woman has the strength of 10 women. I just wish she had the strength. And this is no dig to her. This is the dig at the press. I wish she had the strength of of one more woman, a feisty one who don't give a fuck. To just be like, go ask Ike about Ike. Stop asking me about that nigga. Not press friendly, but it needed to be said at some point. Or her publicist needed to intervene. And it was women asking those questions too. And I was like, we know better. We know better. Or we should to center a man and a woman's narrative. But nonetheless... If Tina had been at the top of her game now, we would have had a whole different set of questions. But it was a good documentary. It was really good. I didn't think I was the biggest Tina Turner music fan. Like Tina Turner, the woman, the personality, the persona, the story. Yes. But I didn't think I was a big Tina Turner fan. But I've been listening to like nothing but Tina Turner until last night, which I switched over to the Osley Brothers. But that's we'll get to that. But I was listening to Tina Turner nonstop. It was a river wide, mountain high. Sang, girl, sang. I do enjoy some Miss Tina. I'm very sad that she's saying goodbye just when I feel like I'm getting to know her. But that's my bad. I'm a little late to the party. But I'm glad that she's able to do so on her own terms. And has found some nice love. Her husband, a younger man, when Tina was ill, I want to say he gave her a kidney or a piece of his kidney. I was like, that's love. I don't know who I'd give up a kidney for. Maybe I ain't never been in love like that, though. I watched the Mahalia movie on Lifetime. I really like Danielle Brooks, and, and she sang. She sang. She sang. She sounded so beautiful, and her acting was good for the material that she had to work with. As now a creator of TV content and executive producer, you know, I like to throw that out there from time to time just to remind people. It's something I'm really proud of. It was a life goal. It was a dream come true. So sometimes I just have to throw it out there just as a reminder to myself, like, sis, you did that. I tried to give the grace that I would want to receive. I also know that no one sets out to do work that is not received well. So I would just keep it very positive. Danielle Brooks sang. Ooh, she sang. She sounded beautiful as she sang. I will also say that I am glad that there are more than one biopic on Mahalia Jackson, and that we don't have to wait very long for the second and third ones. Lettucey is playing Mahalia Jackson. I don't know if that's a TV film or a film film. And then I also know Jill Scott is playing Mahalia Jackson. I think that one is produced by Queen Latifah. Let's look this up so we don't have to guess. I'm acting like my Wi-Fi don't work. Let us see is set to play. This is according to, where am I reading from? This is according to Deadline. Let us see is set to play legendary gospel singer Mahalia Jackson in a biopic called Remember Me, the Mahalia Jackson story. Columbus Short will be playing Martin Luther the King. Janet Hubert will also be in the film. This film will be set during 1956 to 1963. It will chronicle her successful career as well as her unique friendship and devotion to Martin Luther the King. Hmm. 
Okay, so that's the one with lettuce There's no date for that one. But they do have a working script and producers. Okay, that's a good sign. And then Jill Scott. Now, the Jill Scott one is definitely going to the big screen. Queen Latifah and Jamie Foxx are producing that one. That's promising. And this version is based on the novel Mahalia by Darlene Donlow. As part of the deal, the production team has secured the rights to Jackson's entire catalog. And this information comes via billboard. There's no date on this one either. I say all that to say that, yes, I'm very pleased that there are two more biopics coming. This one wasn't bad. It just, it left some to be desired. I'm going to move on now. Oh, we want to talk about the thing that I've really been wanting to talk about. This versus last night with Ronald Isley. <laughs> I mean, it was the Isley brothers and, and Earth, Wind, and Fire. But Ronald Isley was the star of the night. Steve Harvey was there too. He went and found some Steve Harvey suits. You know, he used to love them bright suits and, and monochrome. These suits actually look like a tailor was involved though. Like he did a throwback, but he made it current. He looked nice. I'm not even clowning Steve Harvey. Like he looked like the, the old black man uncle that he is. He looked like one of the uncles when he's stepping out. They go into the, um, old people don't go to clubs. What they go to? Um, not the cabaret. What's it called? Wherever the old people go. But he looked like he was stepping out to go there. But Ronald Isley. And you know what's weird? I realized last night I can sing most of the catalog of the Isley Brothers because my dad used to listen to it all the time. That was like his Saturday morning music. My father loved nothing more on Saturday mornings than to go down in the basement. And he had a stereo. It was an old school. I'm dating myself. When the stereo, when the stereo system was, just, was like a bunch, of, was a bunch of equipment stacked on top of each other in a cabinet. But he would go down in the basement and he would sit on this stool and he would blast his music and have the nerve to have headphones on. It was just singing out loud to nobody but himself. It was just surrounded with music. The music was in him. The music was coming out of him. Growing up, I could never sleep past 9 o'clock. Because my father loved to blast his music. And be offended when you'd be like, could you turn the music down? And he wasn't one of those fathers that would be like, I pay the bills in this house. I do what I want. He wasn't that. But he could give you a look that said about the same thing. So I'd just be like, well, I guess I'm getting up now. <laughs> Wasn't no arguing with him. But I was like, that's how I know all the Isley Brothers music. I'm assuming my father is an Earth, Wind, and Fire fan. fan. I'm sure he is. And I'm sure once he hears this, he's going to call me and text me his thoughts on, how you going to tell these people I don't like Earth, Wind, and Fire? I'm sure he likes Earth, Wind, and Fire. I just don't remember him playing much of it. But the Isley Brothers, I do remember a lot of Isley Brothers. That versus last night... That might be my favorite verses. I thought Beanie Man and Bounty Killer. And I'm not really a big reggae fan. I like the slow, like, lover's rock type music more than I like dance hall. But that was amazing. You just got to respect when amazing happens. That this Osley Brothers, Earth, Wind, and Fire, that was a great versus. And it went on forever. Like, it ended past midnight on the East Coast. But the talk of last night, it's Mr. Biggs. I just didn't understand it. I saw this daddy sitting on the couch and I said, well, who is this? What member of Earth, Wind & Fire is this? I did not recognize that fine man sitting on the couch, that zaddy. I did not recognize him as Ronald Osley. It took me a minute. I had to go Google Ronald Osley and some, and some zaddy pictures post up. There was a black and white. He looked like he was wearing 100 rabbits at once. It was a beautiful coat. And I was like, wait, wait, wait a goddamn minute. I didn't know what Ronald Osley looked like my whole life. 
Now, he always had a beautiful voice. He always had energy, old Kappa energy. And you'd be like, well, you know, maybe you was fine in your day. But then you go back and see pictures like in his 20s and 30s and was like, well, you know, he wasn't a bad looking man. He wasn't like, you know, hideous. But he wasn't nothing you write home about. Shit. Ronald Osley is 79? Dear mom. Shit. Dear grandma. <laughs> Who the hell waits till they 79 to pop out? I was shocked. Literally, my dad is 79. I am looking at a man my father's age and having lustful thoughts. Who knew? Yo, these beards, I implore every man listening. If you can grow a beard and you can keep your employment with said beard, I would highly suggest for the sake of your loins. So you ain't got to call no woman and ask her to fuck. So she'll just be coming to you willingly. Grow a beard. Grow a beard. I even say this for the men who can't grow beards. You might want to go see Wade the Barber. Like, I know he takes care of the top half. Flawless wiggery. Flawless. Y'all might want to go see if Wade the Barber can give you some chin action, too. Help yourself. Help yourself. Ronald Osley done grown a gray beard. It's 79. And it's looking like, it, I can't even call him a snack. That's more than a snack. That was at least a five-course dinner. I couldn't believe he looked like that. I was shocked. You know how Bevy came on here and she was like, oh, it gets greater later. I thought she meant like, you know, in terms of money, in terms of lifestyle and living, travel. I didn't know she meant people was going to start looking like, you know, good. It's 70 fucking nine. It's fascinating. Eighth wonder of the world. I'm sitting up here looking at Ronald Osley and I was like, well, shit, you know, I got a cut off at 45. I really don't go for much older dudes. But I was like, yo, I might need to be on some silversingles.com. I might need to expand my horizons. Look at what my options are. I've been limiting myself. Ronald motherfucking Osley. I ain't never looked at Ronald Osley like that before. Good Lord. That fur, that chinchilla. He had his glasses on indoors. I wasn't even mad. Sunglasses and a Bluetooth. You can't take those away from an old black man. He had his hat cocked just so. Looking like Santa. Sir, I will come sit on your lap. I have requests. Do you have gifts? <laughs> Just FYI, when women be like, I want a sugar daddy, this, <laughs> this. <laughs> he is not available, though. I think that's important to note. Ronald Osley is a married man with a 14-year-old son. His wife, Candy, is 43. Who knew I had a shot with Ronald Osley? Who knew? I ain't even 43 yet. The Candy, Candy's a good-looking woman, pretty woman, shapely woman, cute and I was like, oh, yeah, we over here fawning on the Internet. Ronald Osley going home. He good. He's real good. Candy's a cutie. I ain't mean no disrespect posting your husband, Candy. I was just looking. I don't plan to do no touching. I respect women's husbands. But your husband was looking good last night, Sister Candy. Shit. Internet ain't mean no harm. We ain't mean no harm, no disrespect. We were just shocked. And they've been married for like a good 15 years. Candy saw a vision we didn't see. She married him without the beard. And Candy was like, I see potential. Candy got him looking right. She doing for Ron what Marjorie did for Steve. Was it me or Steve Harvey was drunk last night? He didn't necessarily do anything per se, but the way he was dancing. At one point, Mr. Biggs had taken his, his chinchilla off. And, and Steve Harvey grabbed another man's fur and put it around his shoulders and proceeded to come to the front and dance like he was a member of the Osley Brothers. And I was like, look. I know Ciroc is the sponsor, but I know a black man drunk off dark liquor when I see one. I'm going to guess they got a car service to Steve to make sure he got home safely. But I was like, Steve was drunk. 
I didn't hear his recap of the show this morning. One of my readers posted a summary. Steve gave some behind the scenes details. He said, Ronald Osley came with 10 outfits to do wardrobe changes. And he said, none of the OGs drink Ciroc, who's always the sponsor for Versus. He said, they was looking for Amaretto. They wanted that dark liquor. You can't be singing all that love music with light liquor. Love music comes with dark liquor. Dark liquor make you act up. Ooh, Ronald Osley, I was very pleased. Old folks been popping out this week. Dr. Jill Biden, our first lady. On Easter, I believe she was outside with some fishnets on. And they were respectable fishnets. I mean, respectable as fishnets can be. She had on a skirt. The skirt was grazing the top of her knee. She wasn't out here looking like a working lady. She was just, you know, giving Joe and us a little extra, reminding people that she still got it. She was trending on Twitter earlier today. And I was like, why is Jill Biden trending on Twitter? Like, what could she have done? She never does anything bad. The conservative folk were talking about her fishnets. There was a story about it on the New York Post. Did I screenshot it? Because I thought it was so damn ridiculous. Conservatives were all upset about Dr. Jill and like, how could she? It's unbecoming of a first lady. You know, like the previous first lady, the, the third wife of the occupant in the White House, you couldn't even Google her images without her hoo-ha coming up. There were many pictures of her just butt-ass naked, not even wearing a smile, not even in socks, just butt-ass naked, standing there with her hands covering her hoo-ha. And that's the woman y'all kept holding up as like a pillar of classiness and beauty. And mm. Now look, I, I don't hoe shame. I don't slut shame. It's your body. It's your hoo-ha. If you want to put it on the internet, that's your business. But I do have an issue with folks trying to act like a woman in fishnets is trashy, but want to praise a woman with none of her clothes on. And it wasn't even like tasteful nudes. It was like trashy, sleazy nudes, which, you know, there's a time and a place for all of that. But you're not going to act like Dr. Jill Biden. It's trashy. But meanwhile, the other lady is lathered up in cheap grease, got it all out. That's not okay. I don't like those double standards. But Jill looked cute. It was a weird choice for an Easter outfit. But you know, you know, her and Joe been married for a while. You got to keep things spicy. They said the marriage bed is undefiled. If that's how they choose to roll, then that's just how they choose to roll. And that's that. What else do we have on our list? Oh, yes. We have not had enough ratchet talk today. Oh, we have a ratchet story. And I would just like to remind people that I am not a gossip blogger. Sometimes I talk about stories that are completely fucking ridiculous. And people are like, Demetria, what is this trash you're sharing with us today? This trash comes from respectable publications such as the New York Times, the Washington Post, the Daily Beast. People who are supposed to be wholesome are out here just acting like goddamn animals. Matt Gates, he's a congressman. From Florida, Republican. You remember Matt Gates? Let's go back a few months, maybe a year. Do you remember Cousin Cedric Richmond, also a congressman at the time? He's now part of the Biden administration. There was a, there was a session in Congress. And, and Cousin Cedric was talking about Black Lives Mattering. And Matt Gates, for whatever reason, he jumps in and he was like, you know, you don't know my life. You don't know how I feel about black lives and mattering and blah, blah, blah. And he said, I have a black son. You had a black son. Where you get a black son from, son? He just had this whole like meltdown tantrum. And Cedric and cousin Cedric, 
did as grown people do when children have tantrums. He let Maddie go off. And then when Maddie was done, he was like, was that a nerve? That's when a lot of people fell in love with Cousin Cedric. Cousin Cedric is a really good friend of my dad's. And I have a personal story with Cousin Cedric. He did me a really big solid at one point in my life. I don't think I've told that story. I'm going to save it. <laughs> That's the story from the other side of my life. I don't know if you've figured this out yet. I have a split life. I have the Demi Demetria Lucas thing. And then I also have Demetria, daughter of my father. In order to have my own identity, I cannot live in the same city as my parents. So anyway, that's our introduction. Because I know y'all ain't know who Matt Gates was either, unless you lived in Florida. So people start investigating, like, what is this situation with Matt Gates and this son, this black son? So it turns out he has this quote and unquote son. It's not an official adoption situation. And the son ain't really, I mean, he black. I know he black. I don't know if he knows he's black. Because he's black Cuban. And some Cubans, not all, can be funny about like whether they black or not when they come from Cuba to the States. But I was like, sir, you're darker than me. You black. But okay. He says he has this black son, this Cuban son, who's like 17 years old. And I was like, where did this kid come from? So apparently, at some point, Gates was dating his quote-unquote son's older sister. They all live together. The relationship goes sour. They part ways, but the boy stays living with Gates. And I was like, "Mm mm-mm, something doesn't sound right about that story. Why you didn't take your brother with you, sis? I remember reading that Nestor's mother had died, but I was like, where his daddy at? He ain't got no grandma. He ain't got no uncles, no aunties, no cousins. That don't make no sense. And sis, again, why you leave your brother with your ex-boyfriend? So that was the story. It was on the cover of People. I said at the time, the shit don't make no sense and they need to investigate that because the story ain't adding up to me. Fast forward. Matt Gates is part of an FBI investigation about child sex trafficking. And it's believed that he had... They keep referring to it as a, as a relationship with a 17-year-old girl. Why the fuck your single 38-year-old ass got anything to do with a 17-year-old girl? This don't make no sense. I don't know no 17-year-old boys. A grown-ass man in a relationship where sex may or may not have occurred with a 17-year-old, that's called rape. Let's call it what it is. Let's stop cleaning it up, trying to make it sound cute. Euphemisms. Relationship. Rape. Rape. Say it with me. Rape. He's also accused of sex trafficking, the 17-year-old. Investigators are looking into whether Matt, and he has this friend, Joel Greenberg, who is allegedly the head of this sex trafficking ring, whether the two of them were arranging sexual encounters and payments online as recently as last year. Last year is in 2020. Gates has been a member of Congress since 2017. And let me cite my source here. I'm reading from the Daily Beast. So Matt's defense is that he has no idea who this girl is, that all of this shit is completely made up. It's all occurring because his family is being extorted for $25 million. He went on the Tucker Carlson show and he accused a former judge, I believe, of being the ringleader 
of this extortion scheme. Matt said he has no idea who this girl is that people are referring to. He, he's, he has no relationship with a 17-year-old girl. But then also in the same interview, I didn't see the whole thing. I just watched the clips. just want to be transparent there. At one point, he says, Tucker, you know, you and I went to a restaurant. We had dinner and she was there. And I was like, wait, I thought you said you didn't know who the girl was. Now you and Tucker Carlson had dinner with the girl. And Tucker was like, I have no recollection of those events. I have no idea what you're referring to. I wasn't at no dinner. And after the interview was over, Tucker Carlson, who's a piece of shit, let's be clear. Tucker Carlson said, quote, that was the weirdest interview I've ever done. Folks are distancing themselves from him left and right. But they're also... Digging in the files. Apparently, there was a Miami Herald story from 2017 where someone accused Gats of, of playing a game with other young Florida legislators, the object of which was to sleep with state house interns, married colleagues, aides, and lobbyists. What do folks have against finding single people who don't work in their profession? To have all of the free, fun, consensual sex with that both would like to enjoy. Why is this so difficult? Why are you going to go after the interns and the married people and the people you work with and the lobbyists? Why you want to fuck up your work environment so bad? According to other reports, while a sitting congressman, Gates would brag to his colleagues about women he'd slept with sometimes showing nude photos of them to colleagues on the house floor. Nigga, how old are you with this shit? You out here acting like a whole 20-year-old and ain't never seen no pussy before. Really? Really? This is what you doing at work as a sitting congressman? Sir. Sir. According to the New York Times, a reputable publication... A spokesperson from Gates' office said Matt Gates has never paid for sex. That was from the communications director who recently quit. In the midst of a scandal about his boss paying for sex. This is a goddamn mess. I stopped watching the news all day, every day after Biden got elected. Like once we got Trump out, I was like, well, maybe things will calm down. So I tune in for like the big stories, like, you know, all these people who have been vaccinated, we might get our lives back sometime later this year. Things like that. But this, this, I'm going to have to go back on my nightly binge of, of Cooper Cuomo and the Don. This is scandalous. And, and also, too, let me say this before we wrap up. Because of Matt Gates' job, much of the conversation is around the scandal of what he's done. We also need to focus on the sex trafficking of these young women, where they are. They ain't okay if they've been sex trafficked. But can we find them and can we get them the help that they absolutely need after dealing allegedly with a sleazeball like this? And I'm also very serious about this investigation into this quote and unquote son, this young Cuban boy who's been living with Gates, whose sister left him with her ex-boyfriend. That story sounded fishy a year ago, and it's fishy now. While the FBI is looking around into things, look around into that shit too. That story ain't right. Mark my words. All right, all right, all right. That is it for this week's episode of Ratchet and Respectable. Thank you for tuning in. 
We're going to get that interview situation addressed and get right. Next episode, I do have a wonderful interview. We've already done it. We did it on Good Friday, which I was like, girl, thank you. Nikechi Onkoro Carroll. She is the showrunner for All American, which you know I love me some All American. Them kids be stressing me out. Every week, I swear, I'm done. I ain't watching this show no more. And then I don't even wait for it to run on the West Coast. You know how I do an ad sometimes for ExpressVPN, and this is not an ad. I use my ExpressVPN so that it looks like I'm on the East Coast so I can watch TV with the other half of the countries. So I don't have to wait, and social media can't keep spoiling everything for me. I'm serious about my shows, y'all. I'm serious. So next week, we have Nkeche Okaro Carol, which I am super excited about. In, in the meantime, those of you who pre-ordered your Don't Waste Your Pretty shirts, they are in-house. They are shipping later today on the promised due date. As soon as I am done editing, they're already packed and ready to go. They just have to be dropped. But if you have not picked up any of your Don't Waste Your Pretty merch, it is still available. The hoodies are still on the site. I have at least a couple of everything but smalls. So if you want to get your hoodie now, we've got about another month of hoodie weather, depending on where you are in the world. Go on and get your hoodies. Go on and get your mugs. Go on and get your signed copies of the second edition of Don't Waste Your Pretty. I'm not signing copies after this week. I need a break. Plus, I told you I'm moving, right? Right. And there's also a teeny tiny bit of ratchet and respectable merch. We are restocking. We are adding different colors. So I won't have you out here wearing all black in the dead heat of summer. I wear black year round. Everybody ain't me. I recognize that. So we are getting a restock of Ratchet and Respectable merch. But if you're like me and you just like black, we do have some T's and some V's left, especially if you're a small size girl. And when I say like a few, I mean like five. Sold a whole lot of Ratchet and Respectable T's in black. So those are still available. And you can get all of the merch on the website. It's under my name, DemetriaLLucas.com. As always, thank you for listening. And we will talk again on Friday. Okay. That's everything, except that damn interview. We're going to figure it out. I'm so mad at myself for that. I'm so mad. Okay, we'll talk on Friday. Bye.